This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys turn in their MLB Hall of Fame ballots in place of the out-of-the-box drafts. Our Q&A segment covers the Michigan Wolverines as well as the best basketball team in college basketball as of right now. This week in sports covers the big MLB deals as well as the MLB lockout, the surprising coaching moves in college football, and our picks for the Par 5 Conference Championship games. This is the Friday, December 3rd edition of the Dylan and Dylan Show. Excited to have you back along for our regularly scheduled podcast. Dylan Jesperson here, along with my main man, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Um, Finally, got back to Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee, last Saturday. Got to see uh, Tennessee and Vanderbilt play, which ended up being a really good game. Uh, The score differential was very much in Tennessee's side, but it was a very entertaining game to the very end. Tennessee got a nice 24-point victory. But got to see Vandy complete a Hail Mary pass at the end of the first half. They hadn't done anything to that point, so that was really cool. Uh, seeing Vanderbilt show a little bit of life, and then they did some really good things in the second half. So Clark Lee's program at Vanderbilt, they might have a little bit of a bright future, some stuff to hold on to there. But Tennessee looked really good uh, going into whatever bowl game they're going to be playing in uh, in a few weeks, which is really, really exciting, uh, especially with Tennessee, which Tennessee and Michigan both didn't have a lot of hype coming into the season and Michigan did much better but both programs looking a lot better than they did maybe five months ago which is exciting for both of us yeah really excited came back from Knoxville with the cold but that's all right gonna power through it have a good show very excited for today how are you doing I'd imagine you're on over the moon right now after the weekend you've had but how are you doing I'm doing all right. This week has been a mixed bag of emotions for me. We will get into the highs of last weekend in a little bit. Uh, I just want to take a second to say our thoughts are with the Oxford community in Oxford, Michigan, after the tragedy they suffered on Tuesday this week. Uh, Oxford is in the county I've grown up and lived in for my whole life. Uh, It's only an hour drive away, and I'm very familiar with the area. Uh, I had teammates on my baseball team that lived in Lake Orion, which is the neighboring city, and I played more than one baseball tournament in Oxford, so... This week has been a bit of a roller coaster, and our thoughts are with the victims, their families, and the entire Oxford community. Uh, and I've talked to our boss, Stephen, and my plan is to cover the very first sporting event whenever they get back to normal out here. It's still not normal out here in, in Oakland County right now, but uh, we hope to get back to normal sooner rather than later. Uh, but let's move on to more fun stuff. A uh, reminder to follow the Tunnel Vision Sports Network wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you guys never miss an episode. Uh, rather than your regular out-of-the-box drafts we do every week, we decided to switch it up a bit this week with a different topic uh, on the horizon. Baseball may be locked out as of midnight last night, but that does not mean we can't fill out our mock MLB Hall of Fame ballots 
Uh, those who vote in the Hall of Fame have been giving the ballots and have until New Year's Eve to send them into the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, so we figured we would do the same and we would follow the same rules that the voters do, uh, take that same ballot that they've been given uh, and we are given up to 10 votes. We're not, re- you're not required to use all 10 of those votes. Uh, but I think me and Dylan are both on the same page where uh, we believe that there's at least 10 Hall of Fame names on these lists. So uh, we'll probably be giving out all their votes. So uh, I figure we'll just go back and forth with who you gave your votes out to. So Dylan, let me hear the first person that you gave a vote out to. My first one uh, was a guy that nearly got in last year. Uh, I'm going with Kurt Schilling. He, he was really, really close to getting in last year. I think he deserves it. Uh, I think if you look at the overall uh, – work that he did in his career he, he absolutely deserves to be in the hall it's his 10th and final year i think he should finally get it it's a shame he didn't get it last year but in my mind dylan holt's ballot he gets in finally in 2022 uh what was the first name on your ballot yeah so the way i did this was i i kind of like ranked the top 10 because i wanted to make sure that like i i got the top 10 players that were on this list that got ranked or votes i, I didn't really uh i don't want I don't want to be bogged down by the stupid MLB rules of like this person's getting booted off the list. If you're a hall of fame, if you're a hall of fame guy, you're going to be voted a hall of fame guy at some point. So uh, I, I, I'm just going off of who were the 10 best names off the list. And at number one, I had Barry Bonds and uh, steroids aside, uh, the dude was the best hitter of all time. A home run King, seven time MVP, 444 career on base percentage, a 1.051 career OPS. I mean, that's just, Steroids or not, the dude was the best hitter ever. So uh, he has to be in the Hall of Fame at the end of the day. So uh, who was the second person you were giving your road out to? Mr. Barry Bonds was number two on my list. And my only note says, do it, you cowards. They're, they're scared. I don't know why. I don't get it. Barry Bonds deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, the way I've always looked at Hall of Fames is, can you tell the story of that sport without that person? You can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. He deserves to be in there. There's no reason why he's not. They're just cowards. And there's another person on this list that's going to get the same reasoning uh, as Mr. Bonds got from me. But yeah, number two for me is Barry Bonds. He very well could have been number one. But this was, I made my list just off the dome, writing names that were on the list. Who came to mind? Schilling came first and then Barry Bonds. Who do you have it to? At two, I have a guy in the same vein, and this is his first time on the list, so we'll have to see what the the voters do with this situation. I'm talking A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, three-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, 696 career home runs. Uh, He's the best hitting shortstop ever, and in terms of just like the history of the game, A-Rod is top five hitters of all time. Maybe that might be even reaching, but even that, I mean, he is one of the best of all time and, and having him not in the hall of fame, regardless of what you think of the dude uh, uh, would be a travesty because he is one of the best of all time. Uh, moving on to three, who do you have getting your third vote? On my third vote. I, uh, this was very much a biased pick, but that's okay. Uh, because it's my vote. I'm going with Todd Helton. Uh, Todd Helton's a guy that I've always respected so much. Always been a personal favorite of mine because I remember growing up, my dad was like, that was Peyton's backup at Tennessee. And I was like, you're, you're lying. That's a first baseman for the Colorado Rockies. Why in the world would he be backing up Peyton Manning at Tennessee? But he did. Uh, and then it turns out they both became Hall of Famers in the state of Colorado. Or Todd should. Peyton is. Todd should be following in Peyton's vein. Uh, in my book, Todd Helton's the best Colorado Rocky ever. I don't have all the stats wrote down. Because these guys, stats aren't needed for guys that are on the Hall of Fame, in my mind. Uh, they're there for a reason. Todd Helton, all-time great. 
like I said, I think he's the best Rocky ever and deserves to be in the hall for all the things he's done uh, in former Tennessee volunteer. Who do you have at three? Yeah, I agree with you. Stats aren't usually the biggest thing with this. And, like, I actually think, like, the accolades are better. And that's why I went to their baseball reference page and just wrote down whatever accolades they have because I think those are the things that stick out to us. Uh, and this guy kind of epitomizes that. I'm talking Manny Ramirez from the Boston Red Sox, two-time World Series world champion, World Series MVP, 12-time All-Star, uh, had a career 312 average, 555 home runs. He, I mean, just epitomizes what we talk about is like, he did everything in his career. He ended up doing one of everything, basically. Uh, and when we talk, I, you talked about the story of, of baseball. I mean, the 04 Red Sox are such a big part of that. And Manny Ramirez is like the biggest part of that. So I think he has to be in the Hall of Fame, even if all, all the rest of his career aside, which is a Hall of Fame career, he would be in just for that 04 season. Uh, but yeah, he had, Manny Ramirez deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's an easy one. Uh, who is getting your fourth vote this time around? Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Uh, one of my all-time favorite baseball players. I think that goes for a lot of people in our generation if you're not a Yankees fan. Uh, it's just hard not to love David Ortiz. He's a guy that instantly comes to mind when you think of just big moments over the past 20 years in baseball. It seems like it's Big Poppy hitting big shots at Fenway Park in big moments. Um, I Again, going with my theme of how do you tell the story of the last 10 to 20 years of baseball without David Ortiz? It's impossible. The guy did it all, brought championships to Boston. It kind of became the symbol of the Boston Red Sox. It's, you, you thought of the Red Sox, you thought of David Ortiz for a long time. Uh, a guy from the DR that became a Bostonian, which doesn't always happen with pro athletes now where kind of you're not connected to the city always. But David Ortiz very much was connected with Boston in more ways than one, which was awesome. Uh, and he's just – he's what you think of in a, a Hall of Fame player in my mind. He just did it all. Uh, and I have always loved Big Poppy, and that's why he comes at number four for me. Who do you got at number four? At number four, I also have Big Poppy. I made sure to have Manny Ramirez and Big Poppy right at the same spot. And I thought Big Poppy at number four just kind of seems right. You know, he's that cleanup hitter. Uh, I think there is going to be a little bit of debate, and I think this is one of the the weird, stupid things about the baseball voting process. I think because he is more seen as a designated hitter, there's going to be a lot more scrutiny on, on his numbers because, you know, he only hit. But He's, the, he's maybe the best designated hitter of all time. And I think if you're talking about just like a prototype DH, uh, a dude that can go out and play first base if you need him to, but is a prototype DH, you're talking big poppy. Uh, 10-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, seven-time Silver Slugger, and a World Series MVP on top of that. Uh, big poppy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, moving on to number five, who do you got to uh, get in your fifth vote? My fifth vote goes to one of my another one of my childhood favorites. Uh, I'm going to former St. Louis Cardinal Scott Rowland. Uh, Scott Rowland was a guy that one of the first games I ever saw in Bush Stadium. Scott Rowland absolutely tore it up. And I mean, you got guys like Pujols and Molina on the field, and Scott Rowland was uh, the guy that stuck out to young me. And I was like, this is the man right here because uh, he did it all on uh, some very very good Cardinals teams. Former Rookie of the Year, seven time All Star, obviously. 2006 World Series champion. And he did it for a long time, from 1996 to 2012, just absolutely tore it up on the diamond. Uh, and Scott Rowland's just one of those guys that just made things work, did it all in the field. Uh, I just, I think he deserves it. I really do. He's obviously it's a bias pick. He's, I, I feel like Scott Rowland might be one of the more fringe guys 
on out of the 30 that uh, are presented on the ballot this year. But for me, he's he's got to be in there because such a person. It's it's a personal uh, pick for me because I just so much love for Scott Rowland. Uh, but who do you have in five? Yeah, I knew Scott Rowland was going to be on your list. He's not going to be on my list, but I knew that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna escape your list. Uh, but definitely fine with that. It's your list, so you get to be biased and send in the votes the way you would want. Uh, I got Sammy Sosa at number five. He's another guy where you, you're telling the story of baseball. Sammy Sosa has to make that list for a variety of reasons. But yeah, uh, I mean, one-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, six-time Silver Slugger, 2,408 hits, 609 home runs. I mean, obviously, uh, there's so much to be said about Sammy Sosa, whether it be the cork bat incident, the, you know, the home run wars with Mark McGuire and whatever it may be. But Sammy Sosa is one of those guys that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. And this is where I don't care what you think of him as as a dude or or what you think of, you know, what happened off the field. Sammy Sosa is one of those guys that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, whether your bias uh, says so or not. Uh, Moving on where we at six now. Going on to number six, who do you have getting your sixth vote? What you just said, Sammy Sosa, he, he deserves to be in the hall. He's I, And I blatantly said my last pick was biased off Scott Rowland, St. Louis Cardinal. absolutely love him to the day I die. Sammy Sosa is someone that I do not have much love for. But like you said, he was so good. You can't tell the story without him. He, and literally copy-paste what you just said. It's he, Sammy Sosa was the dude. And he deserves it. And I'm not going to give him much more praise than that. So who do you have at six? Uh, the sixth vote I'm giving out, I'm giving it to Andrew Jones. And a couple of reasons why he's another dude that's going to be kind of a fringe dude, but he's the best fielding center fielder of all time. Uh, you know, Willie Mays is up there, but I, in terms of dudes that we've been able to see, you know, we've got multiple highlights. We can watch all the, all the things that Andrew Jones did. He was a 10-time Gold Glove winner. There's no one else that's done that. Five-time All-Star and a Silver Slugger. He has some pretty good hitting stats on top of that. 434 home runs. Uh, almost 2,000 hits. He has a 62.7 war, which compared to Sammy Sosa, 58.6 war. I mean, that's Andrew Jones is technically a better player in by baseball reference standards than Sammy Sosa, which is surprising to me because I have always thought of Andrew Jones as one of those like glove before bat type of dudes. But uh, definitely, deserve, I, I, I've said this for all of them now, but deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, shouldn't be much uh, talking about that. I think from here on out, you could like make the argument against the, some of these guys that I have on my list. Um, but I think no question, Andrew Jones deserves to be on the list. Uh, moving on to seven, who do you have uh, getting your seventh vote? So for seven, I'm going to go to a guy you mentioned earlier. I'm going to go A-Rod. Um, I think A-Rod is a guy that he's going to have a lot of controversy around him as because I, I doubt he'll get in this year I it just I don't see A-Rod being a guy that gets on his first ballot because there is controversy around him and with how baseball the baseball writers vote it could be a very strenuous process for Alex Rodriguez but he's a three-time MVP he's a 14-time all-star he's a world series champion the guy deserves to be in the hall of fame he's a guy that played it seems like forever it was from 94 to 2016 and that is a very very long career where he was very very good for a very long time he I mean he did it all he was he played alongside Jeter he was rivals to Derek Jeter I I don't know how you can say how he helped define a generation of baseball he deserves to be in the hall but we know how the writers are and how they 
they pick their their battles, and this is probably one they'll pick, which sucks because A Rod deserves to be in, but it is what it is. He's on my bout, he's on your bout, so that's all that matters with this. Uh, who do you have at seven? Are we on seven? Seven, yeah. Who yeah. do you have at seven? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just echo everything you had about A Rod. I mean, I just don't, and that's the th- a good reason why we're doing this our ballots ourselves because the the hall of fame ballots i'm sure that come out that the official you know selections are not going to be like we're going to agree with the people that they select we're going to not agree with the people that they left off uh and that's just how it always is with the baseball hall of fame so want to get our opinions out there uh with seven uh i'm gonna go with mark burley and he's got a a few different reasons why i I think mark burley deserves to be in the hall of fame he's a five-time all-star he was a four-time gold glove winner uh at the position of pitcher which is you know not uh to have someone that's you know uh considered you know a good fielder with especially the size that Mark Burley was was you know incredible and he was also a world series champion he had a sub four ERA for his career uh he never won a Cy Young but he was like when I grew up he was the pinnacle of a dude that didn't throw too hard but could locate his stuff so well and still be just as dominant as the dudes in the league that threw hard And, and I think those are when you have like an archetype type dude where he's like, all right, this is the guy I point to when I say, oh, doesn't throw too hard, but still gets out. I, I point to Mark Burley. Uh, and that mean, uh, for my, for me, that means he should be in the hall of fame in my vote. If he, he, he should make my list and he should make other people's list, but uh, we'll move on to eight. Who do you have at eight? My eighth selection on my ballot is uh, Manny Ramirez. I, it's a guy you mentioned earlier, and I think when I was jotting down names, I think I almost forgot about him or I looked over him. Because Manny's a guy that absolutely had to make my list. He's been one of my favorite players since I was very little. I've always thought he was one of the coolest players in the world, which he was. Um, I don't think I realized how good he was for Cleveland in the 90s growing up. Because I obviously didn't witness it. And looking back, he was awesome. And he did it from a very young age of 21 starting out in 1993 and then just took off from there and became Manny. Uh, like you said earlier, he's 12-time All-Star, won two World Series, nine-time Silver Slugger, absurd numbers. 555 career home runs is stupid. That's silly goose activity. Uh, and Manny Ramirez deserves to be all favor. I, to hell with all the controversy around him. It's Manny Ramirez. How can you not love the guy? I I feel that way about a lot of the guys on the list, but Manny's just – he's the man. I just – he deserves me in the Hall of Fame. If I if that's one that is one hill I will die on. I will die on a hill for many years going to uh, the Hall because he just deserves to be there. So yeah, Manny at eight for me. Who do you have at eight? Uh, I've got Roger Clemens at eight. Uh, I don't know why Roger Clemens just kind of sticks out as more of like the the villain in like the HGH and steroid stuff. I don't know why. Like I I have a bigger like like stance against him than I do Barry Bonds or like Sammy Sosa and all them. Uh, I, I do. I, there's some reason I have him all the way down at nine. He he was a, he was an MVP as a pitcher, seven time Cy Young, two time triple crown winner, two time world series champion. Uh, I mean, the dude did it all. He was one of the best pitchers of all time. Uh, I don't know why as a pitcher, it just sticks out to me more that like he was the, the dude that like kind of got defined by that. Um, so yeah, I don't know why, uh, his numbers definitely point to him being in the hall of fame. I think he, he will at some point, but you never know with the way that the baseball writers are, they might just, they might just die on that hill and, and not let him in, but we'll see, uh, moving on to nine. Who do you got at nine? Roger Clemens. 
I, I, again, like you, I, you were, you had more reasoning in your order. I did not, but somehow Roger Clemens ended up at nine for me. And I, I think it's just, I don't, I've never been a fan of Roger Clemens. So he kind of like, I'm like, I don't really want to put him up here with the guys I like. So he just kind of kept sliding down. And then, and then Manny popped up and I was like, well, he's obviously not going ahead of Manny. And then I was like, well, order doesn't matter. So slide Roger in at nine, obviously one of the better players on this list, which is crazy because all these guys are really good. Uh, Everything you just said, he's incredible. Uh, The stuff he did on the mound was just stupid and dominated for a very, very long time. I think he started his career in the eighties, if I'm not mistaken, and played until like 07. That's, I mean, Starting in 84, I think it was 84, I think. That would be when Michael Jordan started in the NBA. And then playing until I, 2007, is, I think. I think these are spitball numbers. I think it was 84 to 07. That would be like when Kevin Durant got into the NBA. So that just two different worlds that he goes from. That's the longevity. That's That says a lot about an athlete. If you can go from that looking at a different sport where you go from Michael Jordan to Kevin Durant, that is crazy longevity. And he did that in uh, the game of baseball, which is stupid. And all the, all the accolades and uh, achievements that you said, copy and paste to me, because Roger Clemens was awesome. Uh, who do you have at nine? At nine, uh, I've got Ryan Howard, which might be a little bit more controversial. Uh, I think when I looked over the rest of the guys, he just was the one that checked like the most boxes for me. He was an MVP three-time all-star he won a world series uh and was like the best player on that world series team uh 382 home runs uh almost 1500 hits he i think he's more of a debatable guy i think he if for guys people that grew up in our time span we remember ryan howard and his dominance in in that phillies era um and, but he might just slip through the cracks uh, in terms of, you know, his numbers might not stack up against those guys. But I think when I looked at that list, Ryan Howard jumped off the page and then he checked a bunch of boxes for me. And I was like, all right, I think I can, I'll give him a vote. Yeah. I think he's a hall of fame type dude. Uh, even if, uh, even if he might not be uh, in terms of the stats. So uh, last but not least, who gets your 10th and final votes uh, on your hall of fame ballot? My 10th and final vote goes to former San Francisco Giants pitcher Tim Lincecum. He's a guy that's definitely on the fringe, but that's A-OK because he's getting my vote. I should not be a Tim Lincecum fan for all the pain he caused the St. Louis Cardinals, but it's hard not to love Tim Lincecum. He was just very cool. Uh, he's a guy that when he was on the mound, it was like, hey, this guy, he, he's cool as hell. It's hard not to like him. And he backed it up by being really good. A two-time Cy Young, four-time All-Star, won three World Series. It's just his, he, he was not, he did not have the longevity, kind of like a guy like Roger Clemens who played forever. From 07 to 16 is it. That's not a very long career. But that the middle of, the meat of it was really, really good. Uh, you had those two Cy Youngs, a couple All-Star appearances, and then the three World Series. Uh, he was dominant in that. just was not a very long time, which is probably going to hurt him with other voters and so on. But, hey, he gets my 10th vote because, I really like Tim Winscombe and he was really good. Uh, who gets your 10th and final vote? My 10th and final vote is going to go to Kurt Schilling. And there's a reason why I, I don't really want to give Kurt Schilling much shine just because uh, of, of all the dudes, I, I don't like Kurt Schilling the most. And there's a lot of reasons that I don't need to get into for that. But uh, in, it, 
instead of giving Kurt Schilling the shine that he probably does deserve as a player, I'll just say that there's some bad dudes in the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb is a former Tiger. He was a very bad dude. Uh, if you look into the history of Ty Cobb, he was not a very good guy in terms of what he believed and what he did on the field. So uh, there are some bad dudes in the Hall of Fame. In terms of just the player, Kurt Schilling, he does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. If I And that's all the praise that I'll give to Kurt Schilling because – that's all he really does deserve. Uh, that's our 10. Did you have any fringe guys that didn't make your list uh, that you think might still make the list once some of your other guys make it in? I would love to see either uh, Jimmy Rollins or Ryan Howard. I think one of those one of those guys should make the Hall of Fame. I'd love for both of them to make it because that 08 Phillies team was awesome, and they deserve to have a Hall of Famer, whether it be Rollins or Ryan Howard. Uh, Prince Fielder was another guy that jumped off uh, the – uh, list for me. I don't know if he'll make it, but he was a guy I always enjoyed watching, even though he was in division with the Brewers uh, and beat up on the Cardinals a lot, but he was so fun to watch. Hit just the crap out of the ball, hit the cover off of it so much. But yeah, Prince and then the two Phillies jumped off because it was guys I got to watch and uh, enjoy watch, watching them play growing up. Uh, what about you? Were there any guys that maybe just didn't quite make your list? Yep. Uh, Prince Fielder was one of those guys. I actually, I wrote Prince Fielder down and then as like more and more guys came up. I was like, all right, Prince's stats really don't stack up with these guys. I know he he retired a little early. Uh, and if he could have kept his kept his career going, his counting stats probably would have gotten up there with some of these other guys. But uh yeah, I mean he was a tiger, he was a he was a brewer and he was a ranger. And then all three spots he did great things. Um and then my other two guys, Joe Nathan, I think at some point he'll make the Hall of Fame. I just think this was a kind of a stacked ballot, but he had 377 saves in his career. That's enough to make the Hall of Fame uh, as a, as a closer. Uh, and then Gary Sheffield, also another guy that ended up playing as an, in a Tigers uniform, but nine-time All-Star, World Series champ, batting title, 650 home runs in his career. Uh, I think at some point he'll make it. It's just, I mean... It, you're going up against some of the best of all time because Barry Bonds has been let, looked over so many times. A-Rod is now making the list. Manny, uh, Andrew Jones, Roger Clemens. I mean, there's just so many good guys on this ballot, and that's why I thought this was a great idea. Uh, we will do something similar on social media just so you guys can give your feedback uh, on our list, on our ballots, and see if you – I thought we left anyone off our ballot that you would like to see get into the hall. We will move on to the question A segment. My question is a bit more personal this week, so we'll save it for after Dylan's question because uh, I, I think his question leads to a bit more interesting conversation. So go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so college basketball has kind of gotten going. We've had about three or so weeks uh, under our belt. We've we've seen some marquee teams go at it. We've got the Thanksgiving tournaments out of the way. Uh, and I guess my question is, is there a clear-cut number one team? Because in the past few days, we've seen Duke beat Gonzaga, who Gonzaga looked like they were off to another stretch where they were going to be unbeatable. Duke beat them. And then Duke becomes number one, goes into Columbus, Ohio, and loses to Ohio State. So now here we are just kind of spinning our tires. We don't know, is there a clear-cut number one? Who is it? What is your opinion on this matter? Because some of the teams that high expectations maybe are faltering or they just lost one early. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think the easy answer is I don't think we're going to have a clear-cut number one this year. I think Gonzaga was a, a special case last year where we knew they had a, a bunch of NBA guys on their on their roster and, and an easier schedule than they did this year. They put, I mean, that Gonzaga team went through the ringer to start the season. Uh, a bunch of tough games happened to lose to Duke, and then Duke, uh, you know, good for Ohio State to get that win after, you know, a tough loss over the weekend. Um but I, I, I still think Gonzaga and Duke are the most talented teams in the country. I know Purdue's still undefeated. And with the way that Michigan has looked to start the year, I can say with confidence that Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten right now. Uh, but I, I think it's pretty clear no one's going undefeated this year. Gonzaga has an outside shot with, with their conference when they're really good. Uh, they've already lost the game. So Purdue will fall at some point. And I think it talent-wise, they're just a bit below, you know, what Gonzaga and Duke have. Travion Williams. That's not to say Trayvon Williams and Jaden Ivey aren't stars, but Gonzaga has like, you know, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy. Those are two, you know, future NBA guys. Uh, Nemhard has been awesome for them to start the year. Uh, and Duke has been, I mean, Boncaro has been more than advertised, I'd say. Uh, I did not expect him to be as good as he is right now. Um, uh, so I think, you know, Duke and, and Gonzaga are still the best teams. Uh if you want an outside pick, a a wonky pick out of the box, watch out for Arizona. I watched them blitz Michigan and Vegas earlier this year. They're still undefeated. They have three dudes that are averaging double-digit points and above six rebounds a game. That's a good recipe in college basketball, especially in a Pac-12 that I think it's a little bit weaker than people think. I don't think UCLA was maybe as, as strong as some people thought. So uh, Duke and Gonzaga, easy picks. I think Arizona, outside chance, but – uh, I think the talent level of Duke and Gonzaga is just going to be tough for anyone to, to go up against. And now that Gonzaga hits their conference schedule, I think they're going to kind of separate themselves in terms of uh, the, the rest of the country. But what do you think? Do you think there's any clear cut team, that, uh, clear cut number one team right now? I don't think there is. I, I'm with you. Uh, and someone I want to mention before I get into my uh, opinions on who might uh, find themselves at the top as we get on further. Uh, so as we know, this past weekend, or in this past week, Ohio State beat Duke, like I mentioned, uh, something a little interesting kind of out of the box. Go back to 2011, Michigan beat Ohio State in football. The very next Tuesday, Duke went to Columbus and lost to Ohio State in basketball. The exact same thing happened 10 years later, 2021, Michigan beat Ohio State in football. Then very next Tuesday, Duke went to Ohio, or went to Columbus, Ohio, lost to him in basketball. Thought that was interesting. Wanted to share that uh, there. I like Purdue as well. I think Purdue is the, the best team in the Big Ten. I, I think Purdue's really good. I've got to watch them a few times. And they're, they're talented. Jaden Ivey's really good at basketball. I think he's going to be a really good pro. But a team I've got to cover a few times, uh, and I've, I've covered them when they've just blown teams out, is Baylor. The defending national champions have looked really good. They haven't really got to play anyone. But that's you got to play these on your schedule. You don't really have a choice. Uh, but they, I mean, they beat Stanford, they beat Arizona State, and they beat Michigan State uh, last week. And they beat everybody in blowout fashion. They're not playing around with people. They're not playing with their food. They're just beating people up. And they're going to get their first test in two weeks. It'll be uh, December twelfth against Villanova, another team I really like. Villanova's looked really good. They absolutely destroyed Tennessee. Uh, a few weeks ago in Connecticut and Tennessee was coming up. They were really high. Kennedy Chandler being a stunning star freshman 
just absolutely got worked by a veteran Villanova squad. But that's, I mean, that's college basketball early on. People get excited about freshmen. Not against a veteran squad like Villanova, things happen like that. Uh, but Villanova's team, definitely going to have eyes on. Baylor, I can't sleep on the defending national champions. And I think people kind of are because they haven't played anyone. They'll get that test against Villanova, and then people will start talking, I think. And then uh, Purdue, because Purdue's looked really good. But I think everyone expected Purdue to be pretty good this year, and I think they're kind of checking all the boxes. And I think the only real di- disappointment's Memphis. Memphis is kind of like slow out the gates, but there are a lot of young guys. It's kind of like the Kentucky teams we've got used to, where they kind of try to uh, they gotta get that feel together. Uh, and once they get that, they'll be cooking. Because Monty Bates and Jalen Duran are too good to just – lose to teams like Georgia. They should not have lost that game last night, but they'll figure it out. They've got another test against Ole Miss uh, on the road. They're getting those under their belt, and they'll, they'll get cooking. The Americans not too tough. They'll get wins under their belt. Uh, yeah, and uh, one team that has been really disappointing, leading into my question a little bit, has been Michigan. Uh, we just suffered our third loss last night against North Carolina and really didn't look good at any point during the night. Uh, Hunter Dickinson really struggled. I mean, that's three losses before the first of the year. Definitely not something I expected. If you guys remember when we were previewing college basketball, I was really high on this team. Uh, Caleb Houston's got some stuff to figure out. He's definitely having some freshman troubles. Uh, and and the team's just got to grow. I mean, we. I, I don't think a lot of people realized how good Franz Wagner was until now what we're seeing him do in the NBA and, and losing that. Uh, may have been a bigger uh, loss than I think a lot of people figured out. But that leads me into my question. Uh, obviously, Michigan uh, is on my mind because they had the the biggest win in the college football world last weekend, uh, something neither of us really expected. Even though I picked my Wolverines, I still didn't expect it to happen. Uh, I guess my question just is from an outsider perspective, uh, how did that win look from an outsider perspective? And now what is your what is your thought process on the Wolverines now? We've got a, a Big Ten championship against Iowa. There's a real chance we're going to be in the college football playoff all of a sudden. Uh, what, from an outsider perspective, what did you think of Michigan this weekend? So I was very upset with Michigan. Because obviously I picked Ohio State. I was in the great state of Tennessee. And Tennessee has legalized sports gambling. So I took advantage of that while I was there because Kentucky does not. And I was like, well, I was pretty confident in Ohio State. I was like, I think Ohio State's going to win. I was like, it sucks for Dylan. Like, he's going to be there. He's going to see Michigan lose. But Ohio State's rolling. They just destroyed Michigan State. I put $25 down in Ohio State. I was like, this is easy money. Well, we're just making money. And I uh, got to Knoxville, the game, we were watching the game first quarter, and I was like, okay, Michigan looks all right, but it, it all bounces itself out. It's college football. And by the time we went to the ball walk, we people are standing around, they're like, Michigan's doing the thing. They're they're actually, they're going to beat Ohio State. I was like, no, they're not. It, uh, it's all going to figure it's, it's Michigan-Ohio State. It's, we, we, I've been talking about this all year. Ohio State, the, they'll get the thing done. It's fine. Something crazy will happen. I'd, it'll all be fine. Nope, I just burned money because Michigan wanted to make me look stupid. But that's okay. I, I now have a deep hatred for Ohio State just like you, so I'm right there with you. Uh, but it was really, really cool because uh, being in Knoxville, anytime I walked like by a tailgate or we were in like a sports bar or whatever and the TV was on, literally everyone was rooting for Michigan because Ohio State's gotten that realm of like Alabama where they're like Darth Vader and no one wants to see them win. 
So that was really cool to see everyone banding together to uh, root for Michigan and against Ohio State. And it was just really exciting because we've got a new face. As long as Michigan can hold on and go into the Big Ten Championship, we're going to have a new face in the college football playoff, which is really, really exciting for everyone. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's just exciting because uh, we've had these same faces. And I, I had this talk with my stepdad today. Well, the college football playoff could be really, really fun this year. We might be without Oklahoma. Well, we will be without Oklahoma. We might be without Alabama. There's not going to be Clemson. I mean, there's so many new faces. It's going to be like the first day of school almost because we've got so used to some of these guys. But yeah, uh, all the stuff in Michigan has been a lot of fun. Even though it lost me money, it's, it's whatever. It, it was uh, for the joy of not having to deal with Ohio State, uh, it, it was worth it. Uh, but, yeah, I, it was really, really cool to see because it, it was the first win in 10 years, right? That's crazy. That is crazy. That, and the, the joy, um, I guess, from seeing a historic program get a big win over a rival, seeing the uh, atmosphere uh, at Ann Arbor, the storming of the field and stuff, and the video of, was it Mr. Brightside being played? Yeah, the video of Mr. Brightside and the whole crowd singing it, it was just awesome. It was really, really cool to see. It's when college football's at its best, and it was just a blast, and the snow falling down. I don't know. Could not have been a better scene, better game. Uh, I wish I could have watched it all. That's the only bummer. It was like the best day of college football ever, and I was in Knoxville watching Tennessee and Vanderbilt, which was – it was an okay game. It was not near what the rest of the day was with – Michigan, Ohio State, then Alabama and Auburn putting on the absolute craziest game that no one expected. And then Bedlam, watching that on an iPhone, would have been much better watching that on a TV, but that's whatever. Uh, there's lots of good games on Saturday, but nonetheless, Michigan, what they did was awesome. And very, very excited going into the week, this weekend and uh, what could be in the future. What are your thoughts on what your Michigan Wolverines have done? Uh, I mean, I have so many thoughts and, and trying to get those organized. I, 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 I've got like five things that I've got to go down. Uh, first off, uh, first off, I just want to say how proud I am of that team. I mean, just uh, Dan Deardorff said it best. I mean, this was a two win team last season. This was a team that Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat of all hot seats, took a pay cut to, to come back and try to, to right the ship. Um, and then to go out and beat a team like Ohio state, which, uh, I know we dominated that game and, and, and we really did dominate that game, but they're still the more talented team. I know that for a fact, they, they've recruited better than us for years and years and years. So to go out and, and dominate a team that's better than you uh, was so on Michigan esque. And so it made, that's why it made it so, ha- uh, so much better was that like, a, not only did we do it against Ohio state, we did it in a way that we've, we never do it, you know, it's always a heart-wrenching type of way, a defeat against Ohio State when those types of games, you're just kind of waiting for, for it all to switch. And I think that's what's different with this team is that they just it didn't switch. They never did let Ohio State take that momentum back, which was amazing to see. Like you said, the atmosphere in Ann Arbor was amazing. Uh, Michigan Stadium has been known to be like one of the quieter, big stadiums. It's kind of because of the architecture, but kind of because of the fans that go to Michigan games. It's a it's a different type of uh, Ann Arbor is not the same type of college town as other college towns. Very uh, uh, outside of the football fans, it's very high class, very ritzy type stuff. But 
that atmosphere, I mean, that's the loudest I've ever heard it. I mean, you heard Matt Leiner, Joel Klatt say it. It was the best college football atmosphere they've ever been to. And that's saying a ton from guys like Matt Leiner and Joel Klatt. They've, they've been to a lot of uh, atmospheres like that. Uh, I don't want to look past Iowa uh, because Iowa has been the kings of ruining Michigan seasons. We've gone into Kinnick Stadium and had them ruin our seasons multiple times. So I'm not looking past the Iowa Hawkeyes, but the fact that we can – not only exercise the demons of not beating Ohio state, we can exercise the demons of winning the big 10 East winning a big 10 championship, which we wouldn't haven't done since 2003 and finally making the college football playoff, which to people outside of the big 10, that is one of the big jokes on Michigan. Michigan state has made a college football playoff. Ohio state has made a college football playoff, but Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has not even sniffed the big 10 championship game. Uh, all of that can be righted on Saturday as long as we go out and win. And and if you had told me that just a week ago, I would not have believed you. I would have laughed you off the off the face of the earth. Uh, I fully expected to get blown out by two touchdowns, and we beat Ohio State by two touchdowns. And I, I still can't believe it. I, it still hasn't registered. Uh, I. I, I, the last thing I'll say is I want to apologize to the the few Ohio State fans that I, that. Something took over me once I realized we were winning. Haskins scored that touchdown, and I was kind of doing the, the math in my head, like, okay, how, how long is it going to take for them to get down the field and score and kick an onside kick? And all of a sudden, I hear behind me someone go, bye-bye, and I look down, and there's like five to six Ohio State fans leaving, and something took a hold of me. And the next 30 Ohio State fans all got a warm – Bye-bye. See you later. Hope you have a safe travel. So if you were one of those 30 Ohio State fans, I truly feel bad because I was kind of kind of uh, over the top at that point. But that's what happens when it takes you 10 years to beat your rival. Uh, and uh, I, I feel bad a little bit, but not as much as, as I probably should. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is a new feeling for me. This is, and this is a, the last thing I will say. All I, I've gotten so many new feelings because it's like, the last time we beat Ohio State, uh, they were six and six. Luke Fickle was the head coach. They were on a bowl ban. It really didn't count. Like beating, and we still barely beat that Ohio State team. And the last time after that was 2003. So this is like the first time beating Ohio State in a meaningful game. Uh, this is the first time leaving the Ohio State game and being like, oh, we still have more season left. Like, oh, I get to watch Georgia play and like I'm scouting them because we might actually have to play them. Like that's, that's a whole brand new feeling for me. So like I've been a college football fan my whole life and I'm having new feelings this week. And it's like, that's perfect. That's all I, all I could ask for at this point. I'm so happy that Michigan did the, just did the damn thing for once. Uh, I, I could go on for hours about how happy I am about this game and how Michigan made me feel, but I, we do have to move on. Uh, I'm excited for the Big Ten Championship game this weekend, and we will get into the picks for that later. We got to move on to this week in sports because there was a ton of moving pieces in the world of sports this week. We're going to start with baseball that started with a flurry of big name moves all week. Uh, Seeger and Simi into the Ragers, Baez to the Tigers, Ray, Robbie Ray to the Mariners, Scherzer to the Mets, Stroman to the Cubs, Gossman to the Blue Jays, on and on and on. And then Wednesday night at 11.59, uh, it all stopped because what we all expected to happen came down and it happened as the owners agreed to institute a lockout, the first work stoppage in the MLB since 1995. Dylan, what are your overall reactions to the moves, some of the biggest moves that caught your eye, the interesting moves, and then your reactions to the lockout as a whole 
uh, as a baseball fan, as a Cardinals fan? So my uh, first reaction to moves, uh, the move that hurt me was Marcus Stroman signing with the Cubs because since the season ended, it's been rumored that Marcus Stroman was connected with the Cardinals. He's kind of teased Cardinals fans, like tweeting about out about how he liked Cardinal fans, how he liked Bush Stadium, how he liked St. Louis. So that that kind of got me in the feels, uh, thinking that he was going to come to St. Louis, and then him announcing he was going to Chicago to be a Cub. That was just a whirlwind. It was like that wasn't even in consideration. I was like, he's going to be a Met or a Cardinal. Like that's just kind of what I figured because the Mets are signing everyone, it seemed like. But that's what they were doing last week as I was getting ready to go to Knoxville. They were just signing contract after contract after contract. So Stroman going to the Cubs kind of came out of nowhere to me, which I know had been kind of rumored, but I was like, it's the Cubs. No one wants to be a Cub right now. Surely Marcus Stroman's not going to go to Chicago just so he can be traded at the deadline in a year. That would be silly. But, hey, more power to him. He'll get traded to, like, Oakland next July. It is what it is. Uh, I wish he would have been a Cardinal because I really like Marcus Stroman. I, I really, really wanted him to get added to the rotation. But it is what it is. The Cardinals went, went out and got Steven Motts, which I know nothing about. I, I will be quite honest. I, From what I've seen, I'm kind of excited. I think he could do some good stuff. He seems like a guy the Cardinals would bring in, and he's going he's gonna to do positive things. He was in the uh, Blue Jays, right? Yeah, yeah, he was in Toronto. Uh, he, obviously not the Toronto pitcher most people wanted. Most people wanted Robbie Ray, and he went to Seattle, uh, which very, very exciting news uh, because Seattle was good last year. They needed another pitcher. They got Robbie Ray. Couldn't have got anyone better, probably. So that works out really well for them. But uh, Mott's is a guy that I think uh, coming to St. Louis, he'll add something to the rotation. I don't know what because it's to be seen, because there's guys that have come to the Cardinals after having great years, and they stink it up. It's I don't know what it is, but it can literally – it's so unpredictable with the Cardinals because you put on that red and the white jer- – the red hat, the white jersey, and everything goes out the books because you can go from being the best player ever to stinking it up. So I, I have no idea what Steven Motz is going to do. He could be awesome, or he could be a normal Cardinals pitcher and be awful and will be – waiting for Adam Wainwright to save us as he's 40 years old or however old he is now. Um, but yeah, I, the Cardinals have had a bleak off season so far because I don't know what they're doing because I was also hoping they would maybe make a move at C- Corey Seager, but that's not happening now because he decided to make a very exciting infield in Texas with Marcus Simeon, which is very, very cool. I, 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 think, I think that's fine because Texas kind of sucked, but now they've got some exciting stuff going on. They have young players because they've been bad. They'll get guys up in that system, uh, which is very cool. It's the parity. We, we need parity. We don't need super teams. So I, I'm all for that. It's same with like Robbie Ray going to Seattle. So I, I'd like to see Seattle get good. It's been so long since they made the playoffs. Get them back in there because uh, they had a fun team last year. And that stretch down uh, uh, in um, August and on, basically. They were just doing so many fun things. And adding Robbie Ray to that rotation, maybe being the ace, can add a lot for them. So a lot of exciting stuff, but it might not even matter because we're in a lockout. Uh, and that really sucks. Rob Manfred, he, man, he knows how to mess up a good thing. Because it seems like baseball has so much momentum. And we've talked about it so much since we started doing this show that it just seems like baseball is getting more and more into pop culture. And it seems like people are talking about it more. And it's like, well, 
we're going to mess it up with the lockout or no one's, we're just going to talk about how bad, all the bad things we do. And we're going to bring everything to the forefront. And everyone's like, ah, fickle with baseball. We're not worried about it. Let's go back to flashy basketball. And guess what? The Heisman is happening soon. We'll get college football playoff, NFL playoffs. And no one's going to talk about baseball. And then it's going to go back in the background. All of a sudden, we're not going to have spring training. The opening day is going to get pushed back. And that's going to suck. Because people aren't going to be able to watch Shohei Otani. They're not going to be able to watch Fernando Tatis. They're not going to be able to watch the boys up in Toronto putting on a show, the most fun team in the world, playing in the six in Toronto, Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. And that's just, that sucks. I Like, get it together. I, help everyone have fun. I, I just – I don't understand why it has to be so difficult. Baseball is awesome, and they want to make it hard for it to be awesome. I don't. Did you see the Business Insider article about the two different baseballs? So that that article is mind blowing. I read that today on my break at work, and oh my goodness! I, if all of that is true, which I trust Business Insider, that is top notch journalism. Oh my goodness, Rob Manfred. By the time this lockout's over, I his job might be he might be done. So he might be a bozo that's done. So. Because he deserves it. Oh, my goodness. In, in case you haven't read it or uh, heard from it, there were two different baseballs being used, which a lot of people kind of thought. We've talked about it. The lighter ball, the heavier ball, one ball for a uh, high uh, marquee matchups, kind of like the Field of Dreams game, where there were a suspicious amount of home runs. Because uh, there was a different ball, it was easier to hit home runs. And then games where it was uh, smaller markets, it was a bigger, heavier ball, less home runs, less runs. Like, what's going on? What are we doing here? Like, like, if they're specifically picking balls for certain matchups, giving it uh, the lighter ball for more runs to the field of dreams, that's like almost scripting the game. That's like taking it out. Of, I don't like that. I, Manfred's, Manfred's been low on the list of commissioners for a while now. I think he's dug himself an even bigger hole. I don't know. This lockout, I feel like it's going to get real messy for a lot of people, and Rob Manfred's going to be at the top of the list. I, I feel like he, he might be diving head first it's like a puddle of mud it, it might be might be a long couple months and i hope it's just a couple of months but uh yeah i'm not a big fan of the lockout i think i think it's really gonna suck because the offseason has been a lot of fun and it's only been a few weeks but i don't know i i'm not real overjoyed about this lockout happening what's your uh reactions been about the offseason because tigers made moves unlike my cardinals and then the lockout starting last night uh, I'll start with the lockout just because it's really, you know, you talked about a bunch there. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of the same stuff you're talking about. And I think Rob Manfred and the league definitely put themselves in the villain role by scrubbing the website of all the, the current players last night and all the stories about the current players. I mean, I get that it was like a procedural thing that they kind of had to do because they're not their employees technically right now, but it's, the fact that you were ready for that, like the, you were like waiting at the teeth for at midnight to, to scrub your website of all of your, the players that make you all the money uh, that just shows like you're the scumbags in this situation. And I think that's where I'm at with, and I think we should all be at like, just give the players their fair share of what they want and, and we'll be done with this. And I think that's just where it's at. I think all of the other stuff is, negotiable whether it be the the pitch clock or the universal dh that stuff can come and go it's it's just going to be which side breaks down quicker uh, i wrote in my article and it seems like 
February seems to be the time where everyone expects negotiations to actually pick up just because neither side really wants to see any missed baseball. They don't want to see any of spring training get cut into because they're uh, arguing the CBA, but at the same time, they both seem really dug into their spots. So it doesn't, you don't really understand like who's going to give in in that situation. So um, I'm interested to see, how the CBA stuff is going to work out, how, you know, just all the details about that. I'm interested to see how Carlos Correa benefits from it or hurts himself from it. Uh, we, we just don't know how the CBA is going to pan out. I think we all expect that since he didn't sign because of this new CBA, I think we all expect he's going to probably get more money on the other side of this just because the, the CBA should benefit the players more, but we just don't have any idea. It's such a wild time. So we're going to see this is kind of a lottery that Carlos Correa has gone into now where he might get a lot more money. He might get a lot less money. And we're just going to have to see how it ends up. Um, uh, in terms of just the moves in general, uh, obviously the the Tigers making a move for Javi Baez. And I think, you know, I can, I'm as excited for Javi Baez as you can be at the same, while being disappointed at the same time. Because for months now, while the season was still going on, we thought we had Carlos Correa in the bag. Uh, so now getting Javi Baez for, you know, basically half of what we thought we were going to spend on, on Correa. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a letdown, not that Javi Baez is a letdown, but because anyone other than Correa would have been a letdown. He's the biggest prize this off season. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what Javi Baez does. And everything, everyone that I've told this is like, Javi Baez is going to fit in in Detroit. Detroit fans are going to love what Javi Baez is. He's going to grow on Detroit fans so fast, and he is going to be what he was in Chicago, like, even more, because Detroit fans love that. You just know Javi Baez is going to give his all at 100% of the time, maybe catch a fight with uh, one of the other players just because, you know, that's how Javi Baez is, and and that's going to grow on Detroit fans and they're going to love that as long as you give your all, but Detroit fans really don't care as much as uh, other fan fan bases might. So uh, I'm excited to see how this all plays out. I think, you know, the owners should just give in and give the, give the players their fair share. We don't have to do that like dance at the beginning of spring training to see if we're actually going to get uh, baseball canceled because no one wants to see that. Like you said, baseball is on the uptick in terms of what people want to see. So we should be giving them more baseball, not uh, debating over uh, little stuff like this. The NBA doesn't have this, uh, this problem. You know, we know the NBA knows that they need to take care of their players. They're the ones giving, making them all their money. So let's take care of the players and, and we'll get on with baseball like we should. Uh, All right, now we move on to the shocking moves in college football. Uh, As Brian Kelly left Notre Dame last week to take the LSU job, while Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to take the USC job, both shocking bits of news coming in within the same week. Uh, Well, Notre Dame stares down a potential college football playoff berth. Uh, Dylan, what was your reaction to the news of Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly taking on new challenges and new schools? So I, I keep going back to last Saturday in Knoxville because this is, it's kind of the root of all this news. Uh, but coming back from Knoxville, Tennessee, six-hour car ride back to West Kentucky, I watched Bedlam on my phone, was prepared to write about it uh, that night, and you can check out that coverage on tvsportsbank.com. But uh, 
I I was watching that game and I was like, wow, like this is a really good game. Oklahoma has a lot of momentum. Late in that game, they had a chance to win. Caleb Williams broke off a long run. I was like, dang. Then they got an, Oklahoma State had momentum. They had a chance to maybe make the playoff out of nowhere. And Oklahoma's just going to steal it from that stinks. Oklahoma State stepped up, played great defense, ended the game. I was like, wow, that's great. Oklahoma State wins. They they they're going to keep Oklahoma out of the playoff. Like new teams, like I said earlier, like this is exciting stuff. Uh, and after the game, it kind of went viral on Twitter. Uh, a reporter asked Lincoln Riley at the press conference and said, are you going to be the next head coach at LSU? And he said, no, I am not going to be the next head coach at LSU. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Lincoln Riley's staying in Oklahoma. I think that's what everybody thought. Uh, literally the next day on Sunday, it was announced that Lincoln Riley was headed to USC. And I don't think anyone saw it coming, even though it made a ton of sense because uh, all signs pointed to it. Because Lincoln Riley was pretty adamant that he was not a fan of the SEC move for Oklahoma. He wanted to stay in the Big 12. He was a fan of playing not that hard of a uh, schedule, getting to run through the Big 12 and just kind of making his way into the playoff and getting his participation trophy kind of because he would, they were never going to really make it much farther. Uh, but, yeah, it made a lot of sense for him to go to USC. He gets to go to L.A., kind of do exactly what he did at Oklahoma, just at a bigger scale because it's going to be a lot easier to sell Los Angeles, California compared to Norman, Oklahoma. And you've got the USC program, all the tradition. Uh, like I said earlier this year, I like talked myself into becoming a USC fan because they're just so cool. Having Lincoln Riley at the helm, it, I, all I can think is USC is very much back. And they're like going to get so many like five-star recruits. They're going to be so cool. Like Lincoln Riley is a very like objectively cool head coach. So I can only imagine uh, what USC is going to be like in the years to come because the Pac-12 kind of sucks, like in everything right now. The Pac-12 needs help, and Lincoln Riley just gave them a good old shot in the butt. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, but I think that was kind of like the more predictable move that no one predicted, which was kind of weird because everyone's like, oh, he's going he's going to go to LSU or Florida, which was stupid. I Whoever put everyone on Matt's – trail that was silly and obviously all this is in hindsight that i can say this but that was silly now brian kelly to lsu that was out of nowhere to me i did not expect that at all i figured brian kelly would be at notre dame until like he dies like i was like he's gonna die on the sideline that's just what brian kelly will do he'll he'll win 11 games every year they'll make the playoff in most of them they won't do anything in the playoff and they'll be happy. Like that's what Notre Dame does. Uh, and he was like, you know what? I can't get it done at Notre Dame. I can't get these SEC recruits. I'm not playing the schedule. I'm not getting used to it. Fiddle with it. I'm going to LSU. I'm tossing it all away. I'm going to Baton Rouge. Coach O gave me the perfect opportunity. And I, I'm curious. I don't know what it's going to look like because, I mean, he's going in. The SEC is in a weird spot. There's a lot of change in power and what's going to go on. LSU has a good roster. It's The coaching was weird because, I mean, they had some games where they looked really good, and then they had some games where they looked really bad because, I mean, they looked good against Texas A&M in a winning effort in Coach O's last game. And then they had games where they just did not look good at all, so it was really inconsistent. So Brian Kelly brings in a very good coaching model where he's won a ton of games everywhere. So that's going to be interesting. His recruiting, I assume, will be awesome. It's hard not to recruit good at LSU. Um, but I don't know. It's 
the SEC West is a gauntlet, and I assume it's just going to get harder in the coming years because either Oklahoma and te- or Texas is going in there, and they might both go in there. I don't. The SEC West is weird. The SEC as a whole is weird. Um, I'm very happy that Tennessee is going to play LSU in Brian Kelly's first year and not his second year. So while he's getting still adjusted to the SEC, because I Brian Kelly wins football games, it's what he does. So I I, I feel he's going to be successful. I he's not going to dethrone Nick Saban in the SEC West though. And I think Auburn, like we talked about Auburn all all year. I think they've got some good things going there. I don't. The SEC West is scary. Mississippi State has good things going. Ole Miss has good things going. Arkansas has good things going. That's good luck, Brian Kelly. I think you you took one heck of a job. You got a lot of money to do it. So I mean, it's hard to blame him. And then I think maybe the person that got the best gig was Marcus Freeman, just getting the upgrade at Notre Dame because he could be the head coach in the playoff if some things go right. If Michigan loses, if Cincinnati loses, he's probably in the playoff. And he can win a national championship after coach being a head coach for two games. So I think Marcus Freeman got the best deal. And Billy Napier went to Florida, but no one's talking about that because that one's not flashy. But yeah, I think Marcus Freeman got the best deal. But uh, yeah, it's been a wild, wacky week. And I'm a big fan of Marcus Freeman getting the upgrade. Lincoln Riley, USC is awesome. And Brian Kelly, he got a lot of money. I, I can't blame him for that. But yeah, uh, what, what has been your reaction to all these big moves? in the college football world. Yeah, I thought, you know, both of the big moves, the the Lincoln Riley and the Brian Kelly moves were both really shocking, especially because I came on here, I don't know how many weeks ago when Lincoln Riley to LSU was first rumored and I was telling all the reasons why he wouldn't leave Oklahoma. And, and all I I think USC uh, applies a bit more than LSU does, especially because it's not the, it's not the SEC move that uh, I, you know, we talked about last time, it, it's a different type of move. And, uh, but I think with both of them, with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, I think it just comes back to both of them have achieved the ceiling of what Oklahoma and Notre Dame can do at this point, going undefeated, making the college football playoff and then getting blown out by a superior team just seems to be the ceiling of what you can do with those programs. And at LSU and LSU and USC, that's not the case. Like LSU, has won national championships with Les Miles and Ed Ogeron as their head coach. So I, I imagine with Brian Kelly, they'll be pretty competitive. Um, uh, USC was a dynasty within our lifetime. We saw them win multiple national championships within our lifetime. So we know what USC can be at its height. So I think that's just, uh, and you hear them talking, obviously the money did a whole bit, a lot to, to get them to make those moves. And I think without those big paychecks, they're not making those moves. But I also think, Oklahoma and Notre Dame probably had the opportunity to match those contracts and would have. And that's one of the things that I think was so surprising to a lot of us was like, well, if those, those offers came to the Oklahoma and Notre Dame coach, we just kind of assumed that Notre Dame and Oklahoma would just match those contracts and they'd just stay. And then we didn't, we wouldn't really ever hear about, we just hear that there was a contract extension. They got a big paycheck and, and that was it. Uh, I think there was a difference this time, and the difference was you got two guys that have reached their the peak of what they can do and what they're at, and wanted a new uh, a new challenge. Now, do I think I think Lincoln Riley's move is going to be more beneficial to him? I think you've seen what he's done in recruiting already. They're cleaning up the decommitments from Oklahoma, all the USC guys. I mean, Michigan was in a five star corner that's now 
picking between Alabama and USC. I mean, I, I can see USC turning around really, really quickly. Now, LSU is different because Ed Ogeron and Brian Kelly are exactly, like, I think the exact different human beings. I think if you took the exact opposite of Ed Ogeron, you'd get a Brian Kelly, and the exact opposite of Brian Kelly is an Ed Ogeron. So I'm going to be very interested to see how not only that LSU team responds to Brian Kelly, but how just kids in Louisiana respond to Brian Kelly. Because obviously, like, if he can if he can just put up a wall around Louisiana, he could win national championships. Louisiana has the most – I think right now it has the most NFL players, like, that have like, originated from Louisiana. I think they're still number one. So, uh, like, if you just recruit your state at LSU, you will be a national title contender. Uh, and I'm just interested to see if he can do it. I mean, I think Brian Kelly just is such a weird fit at LSU. So, I'm, I'm interested to see how that all is going to play out. I don't think it's like a one-to-one fit a lot of the times. Notre Dame was the perfect job for Brian Kelly, where LSU is like interesting. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's a lot more interesting than Notre Dame is. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I could see it going either way, where I think Lincoln Riley at USC is just a slam dunk. Uh, and now we get to see what happens with Oklahoma, because I think that's like the biggest job out there. Maybe could we see Elaine Kiffin jump from Ole Miss to take that Oklahoma job? God, I hope so. Please. Because Tennessee and Oklahoma played a few years. That would be incredible. They they cross paths once again. Lane Kiffin at Oklahoma, Tennessee, Josh Heifel being the Oklahoma alum that did so many good things at Oklahoma. That would be incredible. I would be a huge fan of Lane Kiffin leaving the SEC. The SEC has enough going on right now. Lane Kiffin can go on out, go to Big 12, or no, Oklahoma will be in the SEC. Oh, Oklahoma will be in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. So, oh, that would be really interesting. I forgot about it. Ooh, that's why Tennessee's playing them in a few years. <laughs> I forgot. We had that series for a long time where Tennessee was playing Oklahoma. Wow, yeah. They're playing them because they're coming to the SEC. Wow. That would be really interesting. I'm all for it. <laughs> I think Lane should do it. That would be spicy. Lane, if you're listening, I – I, you got to vote for me. Go to Oklahoma. I think it, I think it would be perfect. And I think of any, if anyone could salvage what Lincoln Riley has built at Oklahoma, it would be Lane Kiffin. I mean, I think it would just be a perfect fit. I have a crazy statement. But I think Lane Kiffin is like – Lincoln Riley, Riley would be like Gucci. And Lane Kiffin would be like – he's not like Walmart, but he'd be like Target version. Target's like you, – you want the Target version, but it's not Gucci. But it's it's good. It's, it's what you want. Like you can get a, an affordable price, and it's going to get you good worth out of it. I think that's Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I think yeah. Oklahoma would be very happy with Target Lane Kiffin or Absolutely. Lincoln Riley. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Just a just a knockoff brand, Lincoln Riley. That's all it is. Uh, all right. Finally, it's time we come to the conclusion of our college football picks for the year. And what better way to wrap up than picking the college football conference championships? We will pick the five power five conference title games lined up for this weekend, uh, starting off with Oregon and Utah on Friday. Then on Saturday, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Georgia, Bama, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, and Michigan and Iowa will go in chronological order. So Friday with the Pac-12 championship, Utah versus Oregon. Utah boat raced the Ducks last time they played. Uh, who do you like in the Pac-12 championship game, Dylan? The first time these two teams played, I liked Utah. I like them again in the Pac-12 championship. I think Utah's just better than them. They they boat race them the first time. I don't know if they'll boat race them. 
Friday night, but I, I think Utah's going to win again. I think they're going to be Pac-12 champions in a weak year for the Pac-12, and they better savor it because Lincoln Riley's coming, and so are the Trojans. Uh, who do you have in the Pac-12 championship? I had Oregon the first time. I'm going to go with Oregon again the second time, and I, I said the the first time it would be the closer matchup of the two. Uh, it was at Utah, and then it ended up not being very close in, in, in the end. But I still think you put them on a neutral field, it'll make a, a whole world of difference. Oregon doesn't have, like I, – I think there's a difference between I, – I don't think Oregon was the type of team that was playing for their college football playoff hopes. I think they were playing to keep their playoff hopes alive. So now that that, like, the threat of that is gone, they can just go out, play their football. Uh, I, I think Oregon will be able to take care of business in this one, uh, avenge what they what happened to them uh, in Utah last time. Uh, so hopefully the Ducks can do me well at that, this time out. We'll move on to the Big 12. Uh, Big 12 is a noon kick, so we've got Oklahoma State and Baylor in this game. Uh, Dylan, who do you like in that one? I'm very conflicted because I've picked Baylor quite a few times in these but I want Oklahoma State to make the college football playoff I am really really rooting for the Cowboys so I'm gonna pick Oklahoma State but Baylor has treated me so well so I I really think this might backfire but I'm going with the Cowboys I think Gundy's got them playing really well Uh, Spencer Sanders is really really solid uh, quarterback and they're they're looking to make the playoff and this is the win that could get them there so yeah I'm gonna go with the Cowboys who you got in the Big 12 championship yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State as well. I think maybe kind of recency bias because Baylor also uh, had a big win earlier in the year, but Oklahoma State had a big win on Saturday, and I, I, we, we all watched it. We all saw their defense come up with those big shots when they needed it to. Uh, and regardless of what we think of Oklahoma, and obviously Lincoln Riley is gone, that still was a really good team. Caleb Williams is a five-star quarterback, and he did a lot of things that could have won in Oklahoma that game, and Oklahoma State was just better. Their defense just came up with enough good plays to win the game. So I think they're going to win, and I think uh, they they will end up sliding into the college football playoff, uh, considering who I have picked in the SEC title game, but I'll throw it to you first. Who do you have uh, between Georgia and Bama? Georgia and Bama, I'm going to go with my preseason pick to win the SEC, making me look really good because they have just boat raced through their schedule. I'm going with the Georgia Bulldogs. I Before the season started, I said that defense is stupid, and boy, oh, boy, did they make me look good this year because that defense was stupid. They allowed 80 points all year. That is crazy. Second best is Clemson with 180. That is more than two times. I That's very simple math, but I'm not very good at math. That's more than two times what Georgia allowed. That's crazy. 80 points over 12 games. Uh, Bama's got a good offense. They don't have a good enough offense to uh, expose the Georgia defense. So, yeah, I got I got the Bulldogs in Atlanta. Uh, they're going to be some home cooking. I, Georgia, it just feels like they're a year, which sucks, but I, they, they're really good. Who do you got in the SEC title game? Yeah, I got Georgia as well for all the reasons that you said. And also uh, my personal bias that would eliminate Alabama from the playoffs. We wouldn't Same. have to, we wouldn't have to, Michigan wouldn't have to potentially face Alabama in a semifinal game uh, outside of really Georgia and Alabama. I don't, I, I wouldn't feel confident Michigan would lose against anyone else that's projected to make the college football playoff. I could see us beating in Notre Dame. I could see us being in Oklahoma state, even in Cincinnati, uh, I think all of those are winnable games. I I know Alabama's looked bad, but I still don't think that's a winnable game for Michigan. So if we can knock them out, uh, because Alabama winning doesn't knock out Georgia, so I don't I don't care about that. 
I would rather see Georgia win, get Alabama out of there, uh, and we'll have a, 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 a really new college football playoff. We'll have a bunch of new teams making it in this year. Uh, we'll move on to the ACC, uh, where there would be a Clemson trying to make the playoff, but this year we got Pitt and we got Wake Forest. So, Dylan, who do you like in the ACC championship game? I just like this game. This is awesome. I'm a big fan of this. This game is going to be like 67 to 62. It's going to be whoever has the ball last. Sam Hartman and good old Kenny for Pittsburgh are going to put on a show, and I cannot wait. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just because it'll make Tennessee look better uh, for their bowl matchup, losing to the Big Ten champions by a touchdown. Or not the Big Ten, but ACC champions uh, by a touchdown makes them look a lot better as they go to their uh, whatever bowl. uh, Makes them look just that much better. So I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Also, I think they're just a little bit better than Wake Forest. Wake Forest has been kind of Cinderella, but I think Pitt Pitt gets the big win, ACC champions. Uh, really, really good year for Pitt. But, yeah, I just think that game's going to be a lot of fun. Who do you have in that one? Yeah, I got Pitt as well, and I think it's a perfect matchup between these two teams. They're almost, like, identical, and I think, like, high-scoring offenses, not much of a defense to, to be talked about. But I think uh, Pitt will come down with it in the end. I just, like, pick it a little bit more than I like Hartman. And I, I, I've thought Wake Forest has kind of been fraudulent more this year than Pittsburgh. Uh, so. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but, you know, I think I, I like Pittsburgh. Uh, finally, we'll move on to the Big Ten Championship. Michigan in Indy for the first time going up against uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Dylan, who do you got in that game? This is my superstitious pick. I'm going to stick with my same formula as last week. I'm picking Iowa because I want Michigan to win. I don't want to psych it out. I'm going to go with my same formula. I think I picked Ohio State last week. Michigan won. I'm gonna pick Iowa this week. Michigan's gonna win again. I'll take the loss. But the I my my record's bad enough. I'm not gonna win off percentages. So it's all good. I'm sending the good vibes to Michigan. Go blue. Who do you got? I appreciate that. I, I've got Michigan. Uh and I just I'm, I'm gonna finish it off with this. Does the is it weird that like I'm seeing like the path for Aiden Hutchinson to win a Heisman trophy all of a sudden? Very well could. The, because now all of a sudden Think about it. CJ Stroud's not playing this weekend. So that almost take him. I don't want to take him out of it, but almost just take him out of it. If Bryce Young struggles against Georgia, if he has a bad game, who else do you have left? And and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, if Aiden Hutchinson, I understand. But if Aiden Hutchinson comes out with another like three sack performance against Iowa, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking Aiden Hutchinson, might, I, he will at least be in New York, and all of a sudden he could be the front runner going into that last vote, which is crazy to me. I When they post, uh, Pro Football Focus posted something like, should Aiden Hutchinson be in the Heisman Trophy race? I think it was against Maryland when they posted it, and I was like, this is ridiculous, guys. Let's let's be ra- rational here. Aiden Hutchinson's a good player, but he's not a Heisman. All of a sudden, he might win a Heisman. He might be the second defensive player ever to win a Heisman Trophy, and doesn't make sense to me. I still think there's even better defenders in the SEC right now, and I don't even need to say their names. But if there's a chance that Aiden Hutchinson could win the Heisman Trophy, I'm I'm rooting for that, and I'm rooting for Michigan to win the Big Ten championship. So I'm picking Michigan. Uh, I'm going into it uh, guns a blazing. Go blue. Let's 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 get it done, and let's uh, let's have some fun. Uh, let's go through December. Looking forward to the college football playoff. Have we only picked two Michigan games this year? Three? No, just two. 
Did no. We do the oh yeah, State? we did do Michigan State. So we did three. Okay. Yeah, we did three. All right, that's all right. That's what I thought. All right, yeah. that's wild. They came down to the very end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, lastly, before we go, we have a special giveaway for our Dylan and Dylan listeners in the Metro Detroit area. We are giving away two tickets to the Lions and Vikings game on Sunday, December fifth. All you have to do to enter a win is follow Tunnel Vision Sports and Dylan, the Dylan Dylan Show on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, share the giveaway post that is, will be posted by the time you're listening to this. I think it is posted already on Instagram. Tag whoever you would like to bring to the game. And by noon on December 6th on Saturday, or December 4th on Saturday, uh, we will be selecting a winner. So uh, we're excited to bring this giveaway to all of our faithful wish- listeners. And if you are entering into it, good luck. Uh, we hope that you can you can win and uh, you can go and see the Lions get their first win of the season. Uh, that would be pretty fun. Or if you're a Vikings fan, you can go see the Vikings uh, take down uh, the Lions in Detroit, which it will be. Yeah, as, as someone that saw the Vikings play this year, that's a fun team to watch football. I got to see them week one against the Bengals. That's a fun team. Justin Jefferson's really good at football. Adam Thielen's awesome. Dalvin Cook won't be playing. That's a damper because he's really good. I think Kirk Cousins, you think he sucks, and then you look at the stats and he's got 300 yards. So it's an experience watching the Vikings. And I can only imagine watching the Lions as an experience, but I wouldn't know because I am not watching the Detroit Lions play football this year. I'll leave it at that. It is an experience. It's a it's a it's a narrative to to say the least. It's got its peaks. It's got its valleys. It's fun to it's fun to watch in its own sense. And if you've never been to Fourth Field. Uh, I was just there last last Friday for the state championship games. It's a beautiful field, regardless. Uh, you'll you'll have a lot of fun down there in Detroit, uh, regardless. So uh, be sure to enter that. Be tuned to the social media pages. That's going to do it from us this week, Dylan. Do you have any final thoughts before we get going today? Um, I'm excited for championship weekend in college football. It's going to be a lot of fun games. Uh, I think I've talked myself into I'm most excited about the ACC championship. And I, Kenny Pickett, I want him to put on a show now because he might get himself back in New York just because of what Michigan did to Ohio State because CJ Stroud might get knocked out. Get Kenny in there, get Aiden Hutchinson in there, and I guess Bryce Young. I don't know. We're, we're in championship set weekend. We have no clue who's going to win the Heisman, which is really, really exciting. They might just have to, like, draw a name out of a hat. And it might be like, oh, congratulations, Hendon Hooker. You won the Heisman. How about that? that that'd be neat. I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, baseball's kind of dampered down, which sucks. But they'll get it figured out, surely. Or they won't. Who knows? That, that would be that would suck. But I, I'll be positive. They're going to get it figured out. Uh, fun week. I'm excited to see uh, how everything plays out, what more bowl projections, how all that turns out. Lots and lots of fun stuff going on. Basketball going crazy. Uh, excited to watch the Grizzlies without John Morant. We didn't talk about that because I don't want to talk about all that uh, sad stuff. But yeah, lots of fun stuff going on. Excited for all the craziness of Championship Saturday and Friday with the Pac-12. But yeah, fun show. Behold out. <laughs> all right, that is going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. Uh, you can find Tunnel Vision Sports at Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV Sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports, and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. All right, everyone, stay safe out there. Enjoy the conference championships this weekend, and we will see you next week. See you later.